Hi, I'm Alan Foster and this is the Printism Glasgow Business Chat Podcast. We'll be speaking with local business people and finding out more about their companies and more importantly, about them. So hello and uh, welcome to the latest edition of the Printism Glasgow Business Chat and I'm delighted today to welcome Greg Friel of Freelance Media. Oh, Greg. Freelance music and media, get it right, bitch. Go, go again. <laughs> you want me? Yeah, go again. Freelance music. <laughs> I should have kept that. I made it. <laughs> so, hello, and we'll start again. Hello, Gap. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Printism you Glasgow. Forgot, you forgot what it was. <laughs> I forgot my own fucking podcast. That's <laughs> the first thing filled already up. Right, let's go. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Printism Glasgow Business Chat and I'm delighted today to be joined by Greg Friel of Freelance Music and Media. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. This time? This time. time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, Greg, um, I should say this is our second attempt at this. We had some technical yeah. issues the last time after Greg broke my thing. Um, I... I I did no such thing of the sort. Anyway. Right, okay. Um, so anyway, uh, tell us everything on me. Tell us a wee bit about yourself, Greg, and freelance music and media. Um, yeah, um, I've worked for over 25 years in music um, as a singer, songwriter, uh, composer, record producer. Um, I've also shot videos and been a sort of general creative content producer person, but mostly in the music industry. Um, and then in the past sort of three years, I started to broaden out to work more um, in the business sector, um, primarily to do music team building projects mm-hmm. and uh, leadership programs using music. So um, I wanted to take the, the skills I'd acquired, if any, over, over the years uh, and apply it to a different industry. Um, I've always worked with people, so I wanted to kind of broaden those, uh, broaden my horizons and kind of take th- those skills and take what it is I do creatively and apply it to um, teams um, in business situations. Yeah. So um, so that's sort of the music side of things and then the freelance media side of things um, is just to kind of disseminate, big word, yeah, nice um, between the, the other kind of side of things that I do. Um, and that's being content creation for social media for businesses um, and primarily now doing social media coaching uh, which takes in doing seminars and workshops yeah. where um, really just kind of talking to businesses helping them understand where they are at on social media where they should be going what they, what they could be doing content yeah. wise creative wise um, and helping them I'm, I'm naturally a creative guy that's my my thing um, so if there's people who aren't naturally creative then I can help them with a lot of those creative ideas to kind of help discover um, the essence of their brand. Yeah, because I, th- I think um, as small businesses over the last five years, maybe we've all been it's been drummed into is you must be on social media, and so many people think I need to open a Facebook page or an Instagram page, mm-hmm. and then have no idea what to do. It. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean. Everybody, everybody's on social media in some form, um, but it's 
you're like, yeah, okay, so how do you get above the noise? Yeah. Um, and how do you be different? And that's where brand comes in. And it's creating that distinction between you and everybody else. A reason for somebody to actually engage with you is because you're entertaining, you're funny, or you're yep. giving them some kind of information that's useful to them in their work or daily life. Um, and, you know, certainly, it's something that we were just hearing this morning at yeah. this event this morning the guy was talking about how most people the content that they consume particularly if they're looking at video content is for entertainment in the first place yeah um, and from that you then go further down that that journey of the oh then you'll eventually sell but <clears throat> I think it splits into two categories either it's entertainment or utility so either you're, you're going to go on social media to be entertained and you know oh, this is something that's occupying my time yep. a, a distraction or it's you know of use to you in your everyday life or your work life that it's, it's going to help improve what, <coughs> what yeah. it is that you're doing yeah so if we can go back to the sort of music side of things mm -hmm. um, musical inspirations who's your your people that have really influenced you in your, your musical career? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, when I first got into the piano, I was maybe about 12. I first started playing the keyboards and I was loving listening to a lot of early 80s kind of synth stuff like that at the time, like Howard Jones and mm -hmm. um, Yazoo, yep. Depeche Mode. And then I really got into, I was a fan of Billy Joel and I got his greatest hits, volume one and two, and I was determined to learn how to play all the songs yep. on that. And that got me massively addicted to the piano. I've never been a, a huge Elton John fan. You know, everybody assumes that, you know, you, know, you play piano, and I, and I play piano in bars and restaurants for years doing that as well. And you do get asked for a lot, a lot of Elton John, but I was always more of a, a Billy Joel fan. Yeah, we used to. Billy Joel reminds me of holidays down south when we'd have the thing on repeat for eight hours. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Driving, but brilliant stuff. <clears throat> but that's the thing, you know, it's, I'm, I am one of those people that if there is something that I really like, that I will listen to the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. I, I don't get sick of it. Um, so he, he was the first one that kind of got me into piano, but then about 1988, I saw Prince. Um, on TV doing it was the Love Sexy tour um, and I did tell you last time that I saw that tour you, live you saw that tour live yeah yeah. Sorry. I'll add that to the list of reasons why I hate you <laughs> and um, yeah and, and seeing that I was like whoa that's yeah. really what I want to do the fact that he was playing guitar then he'd play piano and um, just go from one instrument, instrument to the next was just hugely inspiring to me yeah um, and I loved how all of his records said produced arranged composed and performed by Prince so for me that was the big inspiration because I knew that everything that I wanted to record myself what I wanted that to say produced arranged composed and performed by Greg Friel <laughs> not because I'm a complete egomaniac <laughs> it's all about me but <laughs> it's all about me but because whenever I write music I hear it all in my head and 
I think it was frustrating for so many years before the advent of being able to actually sort of record at home and do all that kind of things was I would always have these ideas in my head and not be able to finish them. Uh, you'd write a song and I'd hear the whole thing in my head. Yeah. So for me, it was wanting to be able to then get what was in my head down on tape, as it were. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the great joy for me and mm. still is. Yeah. More, more than anything. So what would you say, you say is the best gig you've ever Prince. been to? Prince, yeah. Which one? I have seen... Uh, so I've seen him as if, as if I'm going to see him again. No! <laughs> um, I saw him six times, I think. And I was lucky enough to see him on, I think the date was May 15th, I think, 1995, when he did an after show gig in the Garage nightclub. Right. And the place was Up close rammed. Personal. And I was, me and my brother were first in the queue. And the thing was great we queued for like five or six hours and the the guys who were on the door were amazing because they were like they knew we'd queued for that long but they let us in ahead of everybody else and they kept everybody else back they were like we'll let you get in and get settled and get your space we're like amazing hmm. now this was even before the band was in to set up yeah so i went in and bearing in mind i'd been standing out in the cold for like five six hours i hadn't even been to the loo i didn't even go to the loo I was like, no, I'm going to get my spot. And I was like, okay, this is, pr this is the middle of the stage and his mic is probably going to be there. So then I just planted myself there and did not move. And then it was another two hours before he, the, you know, the, yeah, he, he start, he, yeah, the band came in and they started setting up. And, um, and the place was getting really, really busy. And the thing is with Prince back in those days as well was that he'd say he was doing an after show gig and then he'd kind of go, yeah, I'm not in the mood, I'm not going to yeah. do it. Um, so until he was actually on stage, you were just like, you're not going to believe it. Yeah. So he eventually got on stage about half one, I think it was, played for an hour and a half. Um, and he was right in front of me, yeah. right in front of me. And you're talking about my biggest hero musically ever. Yeah. And to see him that close and to watch his hands play guitar and just the utter mastery of what he was doing was just, I literally remember it like it was last week. Yeah. And the fact that it, you know, I'm like, oh my God, that was 1995. Um, my, my brother, uh, Ed, who was with me, we both still talk about it. Like that was just, it was just awesome. insane. It was yeah. just incredible. Right. And from your own sort of musical uh, career, um, if you had uh, a dream venue to play, where would that be? Um, I think probably Madison Square Garden because it's just the iconic venue. Yeah. Um, countless live albums get recorded there and yeah. uh, and even now it's kind of, it's not the, the biggest venue but it's certainly one of the most iconic in, in rock circles. Have, have you been there? Um, have I been there? That's a very good question. I've never seen anything actually. I've been in the building, oh, yeah, yeah. but not from um, a gig from from when we used to uh, live in New York, but um, not actually to to see anything. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely. It's it's just got this stature about it, um, and then it, you know you want to see you played Madison Square. Yeah. My favorite thing about that though was. Um, back in 2002, I was doing some solo 
acoustic gigs in New York. And uh, I was doing, I played CBGB's, which is something of a legendary venue there. And that was my first gig in New York, which I was quite pleased about. Uh -huh. And then I played this utter shit dive bar <laughs> called uh, the Sino and the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And if you ever saw like NYPD Blue or Law and Order and you know there was a homicide, it was probably <laughs> in that kind of general vicinity. Um, it's like chalk, chalk bodies drawn on the floor exactly, in the toilet. It was just totally that. And I was like, oh my God. Um, but I did uh, that gig. And the thing that's really, really interesting is that whenever you've gigged, and I've literally done thousands of gigs in, you know, from two men and a dog, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, up to, I've done, you know, arenas and stadium and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. The only difference, no matter where you go in the world, is they just heckle in a different accent. <laughs> and so in, in the C note, uh, this, this dive place, I'm doing my thing, play piano and a couple of songs, play guitar and some others. And, uh, just do my just about to do my last song and i said to the guy i said to said to the audience <laughs> there was more than one person there um that uh yeah so if you've enjoyed this seeing folks have got cds for sale blah, 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 blah. but i will be uh playing madison square garden in, in two weeks time and this guy <laughs> in the audience shouts out what in front of it <laughs> just, i mean how can you be offended by that that's just genius comedy and it's just so perfectly New York um, you know and it's and it's kind of Glaswegian as well I mean I think I'm not too sure if it wasn't my dad who it wasn't your dad that was heckling no, you know? <laughs> well I think my dad might have coined the, the expression um, is it New York is Glasgow with an American accent yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway uh, it, the attitude of New Yorkers and Glaswegians can That's be very similar. very similar yeah so um, back to kind of uh, more business side of things. I know you do some work with uh, choirs, mm -hmm. uh, particularly is it the Maggie's Centre? Yeah, what, what, what is it you do with them? Um, about six years ago, I was asked by a charity called the Symphony of Dreams Charitable Trust um, if I would work with some cancer patients um, who were at the Maggie Centre and do a five-week choir programme and then culminating in going into the studio at the Royal Conservatoire and recording a CD of a couple of songs. And we did that and it was great. Um, but after you know, the five weeks were finished, everybody was a bit kind of like sad it was over. Yeah. And I was, and I said to them, listen, you know, I suppose you guys are interested in keeping this going because I'd really quite like to keep it going. Yeah. And they said, yeah, that would be amazing. So that was six years ago and we still yeah, do it still every every Tuesday at five o'clock and since then in the past three years I've started doing one in the Maggie Centre in Airdrie but from that from the business point of view, that, that that wasn't really a sort of business yeah, thing yeah. really yeah. Um, but from that businesses then heard about me doing that kind of thing and then it was could you come and do a choir project with us or do something similar yeah and it gave me the idea of hold on how can this work in a business context if we do this as like a team building thing or a leadership thing. Um, and then combine it with you, your basic business know-how and certain words and phrases and the language of business is going to make sense to them. Yeah. 
and then tie that to specific business objectives, whether that's looking at company culture, employee engagement, or just identifying hidden talents in staff members. That's what I find. It so I swear they maybe you know in the one choir they maybe get the cleaner and the managing director type thing. And well, yeah, I mean, and that, the way I like to think of it as well is that if if you as a manager. T- team building is all very well if you're doing, you know, doing these fluffy, fun things. And that's, you know, that's great. And yep. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. It's good for just generally bringing people together. But if you're really using it effectively, you can have use that as a tool to uncover hidden talents that you don't necessarily see in day-to-day work. I mean, yeah. you know, Frank, who works in accounts, might be um, actually really super creative, but you don't see that in his day-to-day life yeah um so and it's not that we're necessarily looking to discover any great musical talents it's the fact that whenever you are involved in any musical activity you're using more parts of your brain than you are in almost any other activity right excuse me so it's from that you get to reveal so many different things about people and that's where it's a really really useful tool and so, uh, you know, when you watch these programs that do something similar on uh, TV, um, have you done any sort of massive breakthrough moments with people, you know, coming out of their shell or discovering some incredible singing voice that they never knew they had? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's that. I mean, the thing is, singing itself is all, it, it's really about two things, confidence and breathing. Yeah. Um, and it helps both of those things. But... I see people literally in the space of 45 minutes to an hour completely change physiologically. Um, my job, whenever I, if I'm doing that in a business capacity um, at a conference or a business event, is to really change the way people are feeling in the room. Yeah. And my job is really to be the biggest idiot in the room. So, <laughs> How does that go? I, I basically give people permission to let their hair down and just kind of do their own thing yeah so if they're feeling a bit uptight and tense at the start of, you know doing this half an hour session or whatever then by the end of it i guarantee they won't be feeling uptight or yeah. self-conscious because they'll be too busy pointing at me going what the hell is wrong with this guy <laughs> you know so it's i i, I mean I, I see that just in, in, a, in a quick sort of example of that just in, in changing the energy in the room and in, in a short period of time yeah but over a longer period of time for example like in the Maggie's project you see people really blossoming certainly for people who are in that situation whenever you're faced with a, a cancer diagnosis it completely floors you and completely changes your life yes so an awful these people have never since since that time are then looking at going to a social event maybe for the first time so that's what the choir tends to be for them and sometimes it's the one point that week where they're coming out and actually meeting people yes so you see the social side of things where they're you know getting involved with other people and becoming over a period of time it's very much it's a community and everybody bonds yeah um, and i'm right in saying it, it's not just uh, the patients but it's their it's the, their families maggie's e- ethos is for people who are affected by cancer so yes. you get patients and you get people who are carers um 
and uh, yeah, people who who are bereaved. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it really does cover cover a, a big spectrum. I mean, for me in the first place, I, I'd got involved because I, the year before I started doing that, my wife had had cancer, and my mum had had cancer, and we'd lost my stepdaughter's husband to cancer all within a sort of six month period. Yeah. My, my wife and my my mum, thankfully, are. Um, totally fine now, but I think whenever you're personally affected by it, yeah, then it completely changes your perspective. Um, and, and you're and obviously the, pe the people stay on in the choir or involved with choir even after their oh yeah, their yeah, I mean period of treatment or yes, their no, I mean there's people their friend or family um, member. There's some that it's it's quite interesting. There's people who've been there since it started. Right. Some you know maybe about four or five people who have always been there. Yeah. And they're no longer getting any kind of treatment. Um, one or two of them are um, bereaved. Um, but then you get people who are only there for two or three weeks because they are getting treatment um, in the Beetson, which is just next door. Yeah. And, um, or in Airdrie, it's you know, the hospital there. They might just be there for a week or two having a few sessions of chemo and that kind of thing yeah. and this is a, a thing for them to do whilst they're going through that so there's you know it's kind of dipping in and out um, but then you do get the people who are there uh, and they come along and it's a social thing and That's it's brilliant. long long term you know? yeah um, so if we uh, work wise I know you're sort of working on these uh, things to bring social media training to mm -hmm. the masses, almost. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. The, the sort of small business community. Yeah. Um, for people who maybe aren't uh, as okay with social media as yeah. others. So tell me a wee bit about those kind of seminars you're planning. I think the thing is more than anything else is that I've always been more of a content marketing person, without even knowing that that's what it was called, rather yeah. than a salesy person. And that's kind of naturally the way my DNA works. So rather than being a salesy person and being like, hi, I'm dead good, please hire me. <laughs> you know, I just, it's, it's, it's hideous. You know, Again, it's back to the, what the, the branding chat we had this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my approach to everything has always been whatever it is, either the music I create or video content that show, showcases the music or, or whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, that people get a sense of who I am and what I'm about. And then from that, they want to work with me yeah. um, rather than do the salesy, salesy thing. And there's just so many different ways that you can do that. Um, and in this day and age on social, but also in so many different channels and people just get it wrong because they look at everything as the same platform and do the same content for every platform without bearing in mind that whenever you're on LinkedIn your behavior is completely different from whenever you're on Instagram yeah and that that again is different from when whenever you're on Twitter and whenever you're on Facebook and because your behavior is different obviously you know, everybody's behavior is different on each of these platforms and you have to cater whatever content it is you're doing accordingly yeah. but it's understanding that what I what I really kind of want to kind of pe people to get away from is 
tactics and that kind of side of things where it's like, oh yeah, the algorithm's just changed and it's just done this. Who gives a shit what the algorithm is yeah. doing? Look at building a brand where people are interested in what it is that you're doing and the content that you're creating and people will find you. Yeah, because you're never going to outsmart the algorithm, no. are you? Um, but th th that's just a tactic though. Yeah. Um, and that's short-term thinking. And then, then what happens is you start creating content to cater to the algorithm and not suitable for your brand. Yeah. Uh, or it's off-brand. So then it just, it doesn't feel right. And then you, can, you lose the authenticity thing, which is at the end of the day, what people buy into more than anything else. If it looks good, look, looks right and it feels right and authentic to you, then that's why people are going to buy from you. Yep. But so through, through the workshops, it's really, it's talking about, you know, the, the three pillars of content, which are written, audio and video and the different channels and different apps and that sort of things that you can use to, to create that. But I wanted to make it so that it's more specific to each business. So, I mean, there's only 12 spaces in each workshop. Right. Um, and in advance, every business gets a, a Google form sent out where I get to find out a little bit about their business, find out where they are on social at the moment, and then what they actually really like yeah. to, to get from the workshop themselves. So although it says the beginner's guide to social media, if you're a bit further, I'm, I'm a, this isn't about, I'm going to show you how to set up your Facebook page. Yeah. And that, and, I'm assuming you have a Facebook page and this is more about okay now what do you do yeah and how do you approach this and, and how do you target your customers because yeah, there must be a, a million small business Facebook pages lined in absolutely, doing absolutely nothing you know and I think the thing is as well an awful lot of people do get caught up in the numbers um, and you know what what gets known as the vanity metrics um, I mean Instagram is currently testing in Australian few other territories hiding likes so, so that yeah so that people aren't actually seeing how many likes they're getting yeah. because at the end of the day you know if you can see how many likes you're getting and all that kind of thing then it's, you've got the insight and the, the metrics there to, to measure something but the, you know the, it's the great debate about envy and you know looking at other people's yeah, you know, and formal, you know, <laughs> fear of missing out. And, well, uh, only found out what that meant. Yes. All oh, right. Okay. That's how old I am. But but that's the whole thing, you know. It's people demonize social media yeah. a, a lot, you know, and it's to blame for a lot of these things. So it's okay. Fun, well, how can we actually adjust social media so that it kind of can be seen in, in a more positive light rather than kind of affecting? But um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's looking at all of these things in the way that's most appropriate to each business. So. Yeah. So uh, this is the the question that, I, that I've obviously been listening to your own podcast, and mm -hmm. I know you've got a, a finishing question you ask everybody about their, their legacy. Yep. Um, so my sort of standard question, which I'll bore everybody with, is one year from now. Um, if you have a fantastic year in business, how will freelance music and media look? Um, I'll probably just be smiling more <laughs> <laughs> and maybe not quite so tired because yeah. I'm running, <laughs> running crazy. Uh, obviously, I mean, I have goals and, and things that I want, I want to achieve um, and certain things that I want to do. I'm kind of in that uh, sort of transition phase with what I'm kind of starting to do with doing the workshops and that set of things. 
I have some music projects that I'm working on that I, I really am doing those other things to kind of make more time to fit these yeah. passion projects in as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think if things go according to plan, then I'll be kind of doing a lot more of the things that I love doing. Yes. I mean, rather than, I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I enjoy it. Most of the things <laughs> that I do, uh, work-wise, um, but I think it's really just a case of you want to be able to focus more times on the things that you actually really are passionate about. Yeah. And for me, that's probably going to involve uh, working on a new album, a solo album, personally, just mm -hmm. um, because I've kind of really taken a step back from. from there's only you and me in here and one other person and it's the waiter that's making that noise can you believe that anyway <laughs> <laughs> hilarious absolutely hilarious um yeah it's i've really taken a step back from a lot of that stuff in the past couple of years and it's always been who i am yeah so, so i really want to get back time so. to get back to that Good. And, and time to get back into the studio i mean i did like 10 years solid in the studio six days a week 12, 14 hour days. Yeah. And I was kind of really burnt out about three years ago from that. So doing all the business stuff was really kind of to step away from that. Um, and I've been getting into doing more performing again as well. So I think it's just about balance. Yeah. You know, having time for going out and performing live, creating the music I want to create, um, working with people who I enjoy working with. Yeah. And enjoy working with me. Yeah. Um, I don't have any great plans to buy an island or take over a small country <laughs> or buy the biggest building in town and have you know 500 employees yeah. never ever been of interest to me it's always really just been about having that creative life uh, and the freedom to do that cool so where can we find you where are your social channels and um, Freelance music is everywhere. That's freelance music on Twitter. Uh, that's F R I E L A N C E music. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, Snapchat as well. I've just joined TikTok for the kids. Right. Uh, um, <laughs> that sounds rad. Uh, it's it's <laughs> wow. That's very nineteen ninety one of you. Um, I don't know. I'm actually just kind of starting to look through that channel, kind of see how that works. Um, um, I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, as Greg Friel. Um, but uh, also on all of those channels as freelance media. So there's the, the difference between, you know, the. And if any, anybody's interested in your upcoming seminars? Upcoming seminars there are on Eventbrite. Uh, the first one is September 25th at the Virgin Money Lounge in Queen Street in Glasgow. And they're going to be held every four weeks. And they are called the beginner's guide to social media and you will find them there cool. and you'll see see them all on the freelance yeah. particularly on the freelance media page you'll see it there right well, and the podcast oh yeah the podcast is <laughs> called the Freel thing with greg Freel, which is shared everywhere as well you'll see, you'll see that there brilliant i think that's about everything isn't it i think that's you covered there very much well despite some incredible background noise <laughs> in an empty room <laughs> Um, oh, a waiter yeah. emptying ice buckets deliberately, I think, to be fair. Obviously. Um, thank you very much for your time, Greg. Uh, You're very the welcome. Chat. Thank you. Thank you for asking me.
Printism Glasgow Business Chat Podcast was brought to you by Printism.online for all of your printing needs.